Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey, everyone. It's another week, another episode of Cinematics. Hello. We have, this is episode 174. I'm joined by my betters, Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes. Anderson will be back either, you know, Anderson Cowan will be back either next week or the following week. It's great to see him once a month, and hopefully he'll be doing more stuff with us when he does have time. That'd be really great. But this is a jam-packed episode. We have about seven, six to seven movies to treat you guys with or maybe warn you guys not to watch. Bruce Perky, from the bats that we are covering, what is your overall thingamabob impression of what we, what we got to cover? Are you excited? Is there a lot of great stuff or is just a pile of poop that people will be have to avoid this week? It is not as big a pile of poop as like Jurassic Park or anything like that. No, there's, I think the whole... The whole gamut. I think everything's in this episode from good to my opinion, bad to pretty good. You know, the problem with you, Bruce, they never see you coming, do they? They never see you coming. <laughs> that is a reference to one of the movies that I, I don't even know if that's a spoiler. There's a movie uh, for the box that we're covering called The Drop. Eric and Bruce saw it. I saw it. I've seen it about two or three times years ago, but I can't wait till they get to the box movies. But as far as the movies that we're covering this week, we're covering a film called Compromat, Life Upside Down. It's a movie about people doing Zoom calls. Eric Holmes, a movie about Zoom calls <laughs> where you zoomed into something like this. Teaser, what is that? Are you, um, are you all about the Zoom? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's good for uh, podcasting, for sure. <laughs> I, I will say, I kind of, I kind of agree with what Bruce said, though. We got a, we got a pretty good selection because, like, there's one movie here that I don't like that I think people are gonna like, and there's one movie that I do like that I think some people are gonna hate. So it's like, it's kind of like a, it's, a, it's a real good spread, but a niche spread. I think. Speaking of niche spread, there's a movie called Skin and Wearing. I don't even know. Maybe niche is not a. We it initially started off as a niche kind of movie but it's actually doing really well at the box office in theaters right now bruce and eric will be covering it bruce what does it feel like when i'm just clamoring and telling you guys hey we need to cover skin and rink and i'm and i end up being the one who doesn't watch it it is is that a, a morale does it lower morale or is that just the way i i work and both you and eric expect it out of me this lack of work on my part it only lowers my morale when it's like the worst movie we had for that week and you're just like out see a peace you get to watch it <laughs> Eric, do I ever do that on a weekly basis? Do I ever do that, Eric? Do I ever do, do, I do that to you guys? So the first movie we're going to talk about this week is Compromise. Okay. I, I may sell out my betters on a given week. Let's just say I lead them to the cliff and I let them do all the work. My problem, it's not my people. It's not their people. It's you people that's coming out on Netflix January 27th. Bruce, could you have a little teaser? It's an Eddie Murphy movie. Jonah Hill. Kind of collaboration guy. Anything you want to say before we get into what we're gonna, what people should expect from you people? Uh, all I will say is, I guess they're pitching it as guess who's coming to dinner for millennials. Millennials, yeah, I guess that's that's a good little tease for that. Maybe who knows? Is you people above above board? Is it a, a great first rate comedy? Well, me and Bruce will tell you. I told Eric because he's been actually i said eric do not you don't have to see it we got the screener link and I, we got the access to the netflix thing just really midnight hour and i, I even told bruce you don't have to watch it because <clears throat> i threw i threw uh <laughs> i threw one movie that you I, I was trying to avoid a movie and then i made you guys watch it and i go okay i'll, I'll take you people the netflix film and bruce said no i'm i'm almost finished too late buddy too late <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> i'm true. actually doing your i'm doing double your work for you greg so take that finally we're gonna also have a rewind of kids versus aliens bruce will talk about if he really enjoyed this movie currently i believe eric combs is currently i believe in theaters and theaters um on demand digital on demand eric that's kids versus aliens yes right, sir? yes 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 and I, I i will that up exactly I, I don't have it in front of me but it's I not like it's it's not not like you interviewed uh, kayla mcdonald the actor for, behind it they play the bully in kids no. versus alien or jason Eisenberg. no yeah yeah it's it's available uh you can like uh run it on youtube apple tv google uh, voodoo amazon all that stuff uh looks like uh 6.99 everywhere except youtube it's 3.99 for some reason uh youtube's been and we had this with uh sagasu i believe mm -hmm. um it was like 3.99 everywhere else but on youtube it was 1.99 so there you we, go 
we need to do a better job. I think we need to do a better job. And I'm glad that you did this, Eric Holmes. You you mentioned last week. I don't even know if it still stands. Sagasu, aka Missing. Missing is such a tough name to put because Eric, like you've said, it's a bad moniker. There's a movie right now, stateside called Missing. There's yeah. the sissy spacek Jack Lemon film from the early '80s, Missing. So you know, guys, this movie is getting buried. And I told our Cinematics Facebook group a dollar frigging ninety nine. We put our Amazon link. It's currently on. Hopefully, as of this recording, it's still a dollar ninety nine. But we've got to find these kind of deals, and we'll tell our our Facebook group listeners or our podcast listeners when these deals are available. Last lately, it was that Saga Su film, aka Missing, the Japanese film that was my favorite from last year. It's only two dollars to rent. We'll we'll keep you up abreast of all these kind of deals. Yes, Eric, you you think like you look like you had something on your mind. Oh no! But uh, since you yes, since you did bring that up, I, I did. I still got one of these. So if you would like a Blu-ray of Saga Sue, just go ahead and email me, amplymagmail.com. Oh, are you giving away yeah. a, a copy, an extra copy of Missing? No, it's, I, I got. I, I have it on. I have it on. I bought it online when it came out, mm-hmm. and then now I got the. I got the Blu-ray sent to me. So if someone would like the Blu-ray, they can have it. I will send it to them because it's really good. And you should. Are there? No take it attached? with you. Watch it. Wait, well, you have to book. email me your address so I know who to send it to. Other than Are you, that, first I mean, book? we should make it harder and make them guess. Like, imagine a number, Eric, and then they have okay. to guess what number you're imagining. <laughs> it's between sixty-eight and seventy. <laughs> no decimals. Wow. Okay, hamslime <laughs> at gmail.com. Eric, I guess to Bruce's point, is the only rule the first person to email you. We'll yeah. we'll receive it. Okay. Hold yeah. On. No, no one emails me, so first person gonna, to email. Bruce, can seems you to be, seems to be enough barrier to entry? I think. Uh, no barrier to entry for me, Bruce. Can you take over the show for a second? I I got to email hamslime at gmail dot com something. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, that's great. Okay, we'll make sure that happens, Eric Holmes, and you, next week or or you know you'll tell us who was the winner. That is so. That is so generous of you. I mean, Bruce, if you got to, if you, would you do something as generous like that, like Eric Holmes? I, I believe in hashtag strings attached, but would you ever, are you as generous as Eric Holmes, Bruce, when it comes to Absolutely giving- not. I would have one of them I would watch, and the other one I would just use it like a pillow, or I would, uh, you know, <laughs> stick it to the wall. I would do something with it, selfishly. Selfishly. Just lick it and stick it to the wall. Yeah, like use it as a coaster <laughs> for my cups. Yeah, whatever you guys do, what, when you, what, if you, whoever gets a Blu-ray, don't send pic, send pictures of you puckering up to the Blu-ray, and then that will that will give Eric Holmes nightmares for for generations. <laughs> You'll understand what the puckering up means if once you watch Saga Sue, aka Missing. What a brilliant film! Before we go to our feature v- reviews, anything you else you want to say about Saga Sue or Missing or the Blu-ray? That's amazing, Eric Holmes. Uh, I mean, I I don't know. I was in uh, nominated for best international feature at the Oscars, but you yes. know, actually. I know I wasn't nominated for best picture. Right. I don't know why Matt God wasn't nominated for best animated feature. I don't know a lot of things, (laughs) but I do know we're going to review some pretty kick-ass movies today. We're going to review some pretty kick-ass movies today. Very good. Let's start. Let's let's follow Eric Holmes's advice or orders. And let's start off with a kick-ass movie. And that movie will be Compromat. And this movie is set in. I believe, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Maybe you guys are better than me at this. In Urkukst or something, an area in Siberia, it centers on this French teacher, French cultural dude. And he's his name is Matthew or Mathieu. And he... He's a, he's a nice nice diplomat. He's trying to bring French culture to the area. And what he does is he puts on a production, a ballet, a beautiful ballet of two men dancing. And it's all, it's red. It looks gorgeous. And it's great, but the problem is the audience itself, they're very conservative. You're introducing, he's introducing something that means something to him. And he, Matthew believes this is artistic. Matthew is played by Jill Belush. I'm mispronouncing his name, but he is an international star. And he thinks everything's fine until he realizes that, I believe, Bruce, I think the idea of compromise is when they have something, they accuse you of something and there's nothing you can do about it. And they accuse him of. Do you guys remember? Like, I think it's Charles. Uh, this, yes, yeah, Eric. Uh, he said he was uh, uh, abusing his daughter and possibly uh, his family show, Greg. Oh, family show. Child, I think it was a child pornography, something like that. It was, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah, that kind that of stuff. It. Okay. Yeah, family show. Thank you, Eric Holmes. But so what happens is now Matthew is thrown into prison. He's thrown into prison, accused of something that he, he, has, not, he has not committed. And 
what's interesting is it on several layers, this movie is a little bit of a prison drama. Then it becomes something else. Then it becomes sort of a born identity situation without him being Jason Bourne. He's just a normal guy. And then it becomes a cat and mouse thriller. And then it's also a possible romance. There's a Russian woman played by Joanna Kulig. You might know Joanna Kulig four years ago. She was the lead in this fantastic Polish film called Cold War Black and White Film. You have to see it. I believe it currently as we speak. Might be streaming on Prime Video right now. I don't know, but Joanna Kulik, she plays. Oh, oh, you, oh, you. What are you Can't holding? See Bruce? it, but I've oh, got cold, it. Yeah. You have the Cold War Blu-ray. Blu- oh, you love it so much, don't you? Wow, that was my favorite film. It's that the year. Oscar screener. Oh, the Oscar screener. Very. Oh, wow, that's From somebody else that you don't give them away. So it's, I don't know who got it. Thank you, thank you. I don't give them away. I, if you if you're saying that I'm selfish and I keep everything to myself, thank you, Bruce, because you're telling the truth. But so that's that's the rest of the movie. A lot of this movie has a, a ton of layers. I'm not explaining it really well. It's based on incredible true events, quote unquote, and it's some filled with some really amazing moments. Barrier to entry, 127 minutes. Let's open that barrier though. Not one minute of this movie felt like a slog for me. Let us start with Bruce Perky regarding your thoughts on this movie directed by Jerome Sale. Again, it stars Gilles Lelouch and Joanna Kulik. Your thoughts on Compromise? I sound like, I think I'm right with you from what you're saying. Yeah, this does things very well. It sets up the basic situation kind of as you described it pretty quickly. I mean, it doesn't take you a long time to get to him being accused, uh, falsely accused. One thing you didn't mention is uh, Svetlana that you mentioned was played by was Joanna Kulig. He talks to her after the, that opening or whatever. He's at a bar with her. He's talking to her. And at that point, we don't know, but we find out very quickly that she is what the the daughter-in-law of some, not KGB anymore, but basically a KGB dude. Yeah. So, I think they're called FSB now. FSB. Yeah. FSB yes. And immediately that gets a sidelong look towards Matthew as well. So who knows if that was even a bigger uh, <laughs> thing that caused him to get in trouble than the, the gay scenes on stage. But I'm sure both uh, didn't help for his plight. But yeah, the minute he gets accused, goes into prison, and he's surround. He's not a tough dude. He's doing ballet and stage stuff, right? He's a cultural dude, and he's immediately in this Russian prison. And step one is, why are you here? And when the guys tell him, one of the guys tells him, like, you're either one of three type of people. I'm not going to say what type of person you'd be, but if you're a new prisoner, you fall into one of three categories. And they're trying to find out what he did to get in there. And you know when they find out, he's going to fall into a very bad category of new prisoner. So immediately, the stakes are super high. From there on, it's just like you said, it's step after step after step. Is he going to survive? How's he going to survive? How's he going to escape? He's basically basically in Siberia, thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away from anywhere that's not inside Russia. There's also a whole thing about the embassy. His embassy barely helps him, if at all. Uh, and we'll kind of let you discover that. But uh, he doesn't have a lot of friends or help. And we also didn't mention, I don't know if we should mention it. We probably can. It's kind of part of the setup. His wife and child are immediately out of the country. So he's alone. He's alone here in Russia with this situation. It's it's a really good thriller. I would say it's a political thriller slash drama, but I think there's enough thrilling elements to keep it going all the way through. I was very, very invested in this straight through to the end. Yes, yes. I agree with you, Bruce. Eric Holmes, compromise. I agree with everything Bruce said. This thing's... Uh, when, when you gave the runtime, I was like... I guess it was that long, wasn't it? <laughs> this thing moves at a clip and it, it doesn't like even like whenever it does slow down, it's just, all right, let's take a breath. Okay, let's go. Let's, you know, let's get back in there. It's just uh, it moves so well. And it's pretty great thriller. I, I love all, like all the political intrigue. And actually this, this is like, so normally movies like this or like a Mission Impossible kind of stuff, like stuff with spy elements or political intrigue, they usually throw a bunch of stuff at you. To where it's like, uh, I don't understand, but I get that the character understands, so I'll just kind of go with it. This one was pretty easy to pretty easy to wrap your head around. Probably because they go kind of step by step with with him initially being threatened, him going in jail, him escaping, trying to trying to make his way to France, I think it was uh trying to head to. All the stuff with the embassy was made me want to reach to the screen and choke some people. But yeah, th- this was this was a really good movie. And I don't have the name in front of me. Who's the main guy? The yeah, the, the he, air quote the bad the anti not bad guy the antagonist. I guess. Oh, I don't know what they don't have him here on the on the plots or not. But the antagonist is very good. Oh, you mean the the main person who's leading those people? Yeah. Please. Oh, he's very good too. That guy yeah. is great. He that he's up there. I think he's up there with Christoph Waltz and uh, Inglorious Bastards. 
of like like you just he's the, he's the guy that knows like you don't you don't mess with me i will find him you don't worry and, and he just kind of goes and does his thing he's not as ruthless as uh he is in uh inglorious bastards but he's uh I think a really good foil for Mateo. Yeah, but yeah, Matthew, that, 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 Matthew. This is a fantastic movie. I lo- I love the hell out of this. I'm so glad you love the heck out of it. Hell out of it. Yes. Also, I mentioned my interview with Jerome Saleh and Joanna Kulig is already on our Cinematics podcast feed, and there is. I was actually going to save it for Patreon, but I cut up the question because there is. Yeah, I think everyone should listen to this. There is a sequence inside a car. And it's an intimate sequence and it's shot beautifully. And it's one of those moments where you realize the director, Jerome Saleh, is just an exceptional filmmaker. Just a scene that could have been shot in an obligatory fashion. You go back and go, wow, that's a very intense moment. And it's really beautifully shot. The entire movie is just, Eric was mentioning about the times you get to take your breath. The times you get to take your breath is usually because of a certain circumstance. You may be taking your breath, but while you're doing it, you're absolutely nervous because the whole movie makes you nervous eric I, I want to point out one other thing and we don't normally talk about this when reviewing movies but i think it's important because i see so many bad ones i don't know if you can see the video on this i, I don't know if the video will be released but uh, just google the the poster for compromat look at that thing that's yeah. it if that if that poster just doesn't sell it and it does i think it sells it pretty well of what this movie is i like just yeah, everything about this is like just nailed it. We also have to mention Joanna Kulig, who's also in that interview. She has a big role in the movie, even though she's a secondary character. She has a subplot that is not just waste. In my opinion, is not wasting time. Bruce, you alluded to regarding the situation with the official from the FSB. So while we have the main story as the anchor of the narrative, the secondary is actually interesting as well. So, yeah, I love the heck out of it, too. Let's start off with let's go with ratings. I'll be honest. I'm I'm giving this or I give this movie four and a half stars. I feel like I underrated the movie. <laughs> this is compromise is so good. Bruce and Eric were talking this movie up to me and I feel like I underrated it. Also, my mother, who is very particular with movies, I told her, hey, Bruce and Eric loved it. She doesn't trust me a lot of times. And she's like, OK, I'll check it out. She loved it. Now, on those on those points, Bruce, your rating of Compromise. I, I think I'm with you. I think I'm going to go four and a half, but I kind of feel like I've underrated it too. So once again, this might go up. One thing I wanted to mention, I think, I don't know if we mentioned it clearly enough. Unlike Born Identity and all these other spy movies, this guy has no spy skills. He's not a spy. Oh. He's not a spy. That is one of the things that makes this great is that he is just thrown into that world kind of. And it would be like if one of us got thrown into the world, it adds a whole level of tension. So I just wanted to kind of accentuate that because I think that might draw some people in too, knowing this is not like a spy movie. This is a normal person that got stuck in this. If I got thrown into that world, this movie would be titled K-O-M because I would last three letters, not the rest of the word. But yeah, when he goes into prison, you think he's done. You think, okay, well, this movie's going to be done in like five minutes. What's going to happen? And, you know, you see it to see. Gosh, Eric Holmes, your rating and compromise. Yeah, the, the the first thirds like a uh, official secret, middle thirds kind of yeah. like a startup, last thirds like Sicario. This is five star all the way for me. How do I feel that Eric Holmes just just trumped both me and Bruce by giving the correct rating for compromise? I, I don't know. I kind of feel like that too. I don't know why I gave it four and a half. I, just, I well, feel horrible. How this is the first time I think. I, I felt horrible, and I think Bruce feels horrible about, about giving it four and a half. This is one of the, I'm I'm perplexed. So, oh, I only I'm sorry, I only gave it a four and a half. That's pretty good. Four and a half is really good. I know four and a half is pretty good. Okay, let's. Most importantly, we need to hear what you guys think of Cobran. Here's a good thing: it's in theaters January 27th. If some of you are like me and are still, we're going to transition to to that type of movie in a second. Are still very in the process. Of lockdown or you or you want to save money and a trip to the theaters it's on demand as well it's everywhere so there is no excuse listeners for you not to see compromise okay we all of us really praise the movie and eric gave it the hashtag correct correct answer five stars for compromise okay speaking of, okay so take that, homes for you I'll take homes. Okay. I, I, me, me and Bruce, we're going to be in like a Dostoevsky novel the rest of this podcast. We're just going to be really neurotic and worrying about our, our station in life after that rating, which is still great. Now, we're going from Comrade to another movie called Life Upside Down. It's in theaters and on demand January 27th. This is a huge barrier to entry. Okay. Now, it stars, who's the what's who's the guy, the main guy um, from Better Call Saul? Bob Odenkirk, right? Yeah. Bob Odenkirk is a 
owner of a gallery. The gallery showcases his artwork. Starts off with him really relying on this patron played by Danny Houston. Danny Houston is the son of uh, the late filmmaker, uh, John Houston, I believe. Yeah. And so Danny Houston is promised to actually buy a work of art from this artist, again, played by Bob Odenkirk. If this sale does not go through, the gallery itself might go under and his own financial status or stature or just so he needs the money from Danny Houston's character to survive. Uh, Rada Mitchell plays the sort of a liaison to the the patron and the artist. And she's also the mistress of Bob Odenkirk's character. And so essentially you have the life of Bob Odenkirk and his wife. And then you also counter counterpoint that with the seemingly lonely life of this uh, Rada Mitchell's character. She's also a political science, I believe, professor, and she's teaching her, her students via Zoom. And then finally, you have Danny Houston's character. He's a rich beyond belief person with a younger wife, maybe 10 to 15 years younger. And he sort of, uh, he he's a very astute writer, but he, he he's sort of passive aggressive with, with his wife. He kind of talks down to her and not in a very negative fashion, but you can tell he he has an air of superiority about him. But he's one of those guys, he's very cultured and it make, might come off as very, how would you say, pretentious or endearing. It depends on on how you look at it. So these are basically three different sets of lives uh, circle around life upside down. The reason why it's called life upside down is because this is set during the pandemic. Most of this movie, uh, pretty much other than the opening scene and the last scene, all of this entire movie is set via the aforementioned, via a Zoom or an iPhone. Each of these actors shot their respective scenes either in a uh, a different home or even their own even in their home own house. So in a way, each of the each of these actors were directing their own sequences. And now you have the director. I'm going to look up the director in a second to actually Cecilia Minucci. Thank you, thank you, Minucci. And it's uh, that's her job to actually pull all of these scenes together. She obviously wrote the script, so. It's actually an interesting, I think, regarding degree of difficulty covering the era and trying to make an entertaining movie or at least a watchable, interesting movie. I really gave it a lot of credit for what they were trying to do with Life Upside Down. I have a weakness for that when people do these kind of really interesting dives and they execute them properly. I thought this was a fine film for me. But again, barrier to entry this will definitely not be for everyone. Let's start with Eric Holmes, your thoughts on Life Upside Down. I think all things considered, this one's pretty good. This one, I, I had to check because I thought this was like a Woody Allen movie, like about 20 minutes in. I was like, this is Woody Allen. I checked, not uh, Cecilia Minucci, but it it felt like a good Woody Allen movie to me, mm-hmm. at least because I'm not a fan of Woody Allen at all. Not, you know, ignoring all the stuff he did. I, I just don't like his his style of his movies just you, in general you didn't know i don't think you know this eric but what's interesting you said woody allen rada mitchell actually was the lead in one of woody allen's previous works melinda and melinda she was the actual lead in okay. that film. yeah so all right well interesting. yeah but i mean and greg you would you could probably speak to this more than i could because you are a fan of woody allen's movies yeah. um but to me this i i would say if you like woody allen movies you're going to gravitate towards us more than say someone like me who hates his movies. And I, I watched it. I, I thought it was fine. You know, I, I got, I got through it, which is about the highest praise I can give this kind of movie. Cause uh, normally I would just be checked out like within the first 15 minutes, but I, I like the characters enough, the relationship stuff and you know, the, uh, my wife, you know, we don't have sex anyway and blah, blah, blah. She didn't care. Oh, I'll, I'll keep it down. You know, like th- there's some, fun relationship stuff uh in there but just ultimately not my type of movie but i think it's a good one if you're into this kind of kind of style i think i like the danny houston character who was the lead character is bob odenkirk's character as the art gallery guy and the secondary character which is the danny houston character and his relationship his friendship lifelong friendship with rada mitchell's character i thought that was the most interesting part of life upside down and that's what you even referenced it when they're talking about each other about not having you know how he doesn't have sex with his wife anymore or she's complaining about her situation with own kirk's character i like the chemistry between it's weird when you mention chemistry they're they're talking via zoom right or facetime yeah. but i like the interplay between danny houston and rada mitchell the most but obviously it's odenkirk's film 
So I, I didn't mind that as well. I, I like this movie. I like this movie. But again, I'm excited that I'm actually excited to hear Bruce's take because I feel like Bruce's take will be shared by a lot of people who try to give <laughs> life upside down. I know I'm trying to be, I know it sounds funny that way, but I think this is, I think your review will be a very good cautionary situation for people who might, who are wondering whether to see this movie or not. So Bruce, go for it. Yeah. I think for me, the prop, well, there's a few things. One thing is I'm really tired of, of, pandemic movies unless they really have something new to bring to the table this feels like it was i mean if it was actually mostly filmed during the pick it felt like well was it sitting around for a while and they finally decided like well let's just release it i guess it kind of feels like that so there's movies that just don't work for me there's movies that are really hard to get through and there's movies like this that if i had a soul i would feel like some of my soul was stolen by this movie that's how much i did not enjoy this movie i mean i really 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 took a lot to get through this movie for me i didn't like the characters i wasn't interested in the characters it sounded terrible it looked terrible i understand it's all done with phones but i mean we sound better than they did and we're doing a zoom call they 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 could do something they could think they could have ordered a, a small microphone off amazon to record their voices a little bit better and another thing that drove me crazy was and I think I figured out why. I, it took me the longest time to figure it out. This is the only thing that interested me about this movie was during the whole part that was fan- pandemic filmed. Every time they showed Bob Odenkirk's wife, you never saw her face. You only saw her legs, her arms. And you, the voice was like wildly dubbed in. Like it was obviously not in the scene itself. And I finally figured it out because I think they filmed the scene, the first scene first before the pandemic. And they had already cast a woman as his wife. So they had to record her all of her dialogue separately because she couldn't be in during the pandemic wherever he was. So he had his real wife just walking around but not showing her face because it wasn't the actress. And it was wildly distracting to me as well. And there's a whole subplot with about his character's housemate or whatever, right, the guy that lives next door. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, that was cringe beyond cringe. Yeah, this and uh, this movie is horrifying. Okay, okay, Bruce, that's how, <laughs> that's how people meet. I, I, I don't know anything about relationships. Oh, yeah. He has the, the ball like, thing on his head that he bounces around outside the window and makes little notes. It was <laughs> it was like love, not actually. It was terrible. How about <laughs> you? <laughs> Did it, you didn't like when he put you're so cool and, and spelled uh, it you are? No. <laughs> this is so terrible. This wow. Red bolting. <laughs> Life upside down ratings. Oh, they had to make sure to turn turn the frame upside down, which I'm going to talk out the other side of my keister because um, I'm going to. It's going to happen in another movie that I liked, all right. But they upside down. That's become a trope. I wish all filmmakers please stop stop the upside down. Ari Aster did it in a couple of movies. It was pretty cool. Let's stop. Hey, Bruce, real, real quick. What's your thoughts on Woody Allen movies just in general? I like a lot of Woody Allen movies. I liked the last Woody Allen movie more than this, and I did not like really? that movie. Mm, yes, right. and it was a terrible movie, Rose but I liked it more Budnick. than this. It was terrible. <laughs> Don't tell me get it wrong. That was a terrible movie. Okay, you know, well, let's right. start well, off I'll with t- you. I, I, I take back everything I said. If you like Woody Allen, then skip this because you probably won't like it either, but... I'd- I I I felt that was I felt it was like for Woody Allen type fans. But anyway, look, okay, so Life Upside Down in theaters on demand, January twenty seventh. I found value in this movie. I enjoyed enjoyed moments in it. It was shot amateur in an amateur fashion. We all know this because of the constraints that they had, and I think that's the aesthetic of it. And what is it? Uh, instead of Dogma ninety five, it's Zoom two thousand twenty, right? <laughs> dog poop dog poop twenty three. <laughs> As Bruce continues to Rocky Marciano this film, I am giving this not four and a half stars. Eric Holmes, I'm giving it three and a half stars. Solid recommend. My caveat though to this is listen to this review. It, I, I well, let's get to Eric's rating. Maybe there is a little bit of light before we get to Bruce's rating on this. Well, I I was going to go three star banger because like I didn't like this movie, but I thought that maybe certain a certain group of people would. But apparently, that's not the case. So, I, 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 two, I guess two stars. Is, okay, yeah, two stars. And, and I mean, normally this type of just so you know, normally this type of movie would get like a half a star from me. I hate these type of movies, but this one I, I got through it. Okay, very cool. Not actually not very cool for life upside down. Bruce, uh, uh, your rating on, on life upside down. I I'll give know. it. I'll give it one star because they all tried, and I like all the actors in this. So, okay. And did they all try? Ah, wow. Okay, that is life upside down. One star for Bruce Perky, two stars from Eric Holmes, and three and a half stars from me. Now, next up is a movie that is I don't I haven't read all of the articles on how much of a box office hit 
Skin and Marink is, this is the only thing I've heard. A lot of people are going to hate or have hated Skin and Marink. There is a faction of people who really, really love it. I don't think there is a down the middle of the road reaction to this movie. I don't even know if that is correct. What I'm saying right now, we're going to have to go to the experts because Bruce and Eric have seen this. Eric, why don't you start off? What is Skin and Marink all about? Oh, boy. Jeez. That's a... What's it about, Eric? Tell us. (laughs) It's uh, This is a a tone poem, I guess. (laughs) Let's see. I'll I'll just read the thing. Two children to wake up in the middle of the night to find their father is missing, allegedly, and all the windows and doors in their home have vanished, allegedly. I think I was telling uh, you and Bruce, like, you know how uh, they made the Fablemans? Uh, It's it's loosely based on Steven, uh, Steven Spielberg's upbringing directed by Steven Spielberg. This seems to be a movie based on David Lynch's upbringing, directed by David Lynch. It's really, really kind of creepy in a very original type of way because there's almost nothing here. A lot of it is uh, they're shooting that corner of the ceiling or the that corner of the floor or here's the here's another shot of the floor with a bunch of Legos on it. But it's got like this high amount of grain to it and so like uh like sometimes you'll see someone like the back of their head the amount of grain and how dark it is you can almost kind of see their head morphing even though it's not it's just kind of a optical illusion with how they shot the shot the movie speaking of grain the uh sound design is uh maxed out because there's a lot of in the background were Um, you transfixed by this movie throughout or was it an ordeal for you to watch because I, i i was I was. And this is also a movie. This is a movie that you got to give yourself into a hundred percent or you're going to get nothing out of it. If you're watching this casually, you're going to be like, I don't, I don't get it. Screw this movie and just leave. If you got the lights down or, you know, if you're watching in theater, that's great. If you don't, if you can't see it in theater uh, and watch it at home on shutter, you know, get it, get headphones on headphones, probably even better than a good sound system. Cause the headphone, the sound in this is really as brash as it is. There's like a bunch of subtle stuff going on. It's like really right. quiet. And, and that's that kind of noise. <laughs> over that that sort of white noise thankfully they have subtitles on this <laughs> but uh, i think there's like uh what like 10 lines in the whole movie is this scary eric or is it more of just it, like you it, said, you it said- is it is it's it's completely unsettling but also you have to give yourself into it because if you don't this is just gonna see like it, if you walk in the room and you're just kind of oh what you guys watching uh, where are they watching i don't know some uh, some guy shooting you know taking shots at the wall i guess i don't know looks stupid but like if if you sit down and like really commit to the movie, it's it's pretty unsettling to watch. And it's hard to explain why unless you just watch it. Did you just give yourself in within did you just say to yourself, oh, yeah. Hey, I'm gonna get in it? Fact, I'm just okay. the, the best example of this when uh, uh me and Andrew were at the the Stanley Hotel. We went on the uh, shining tour. Now I don't believe in ghosts at all, but I decided, you know what? We're here, we're at the Stanley Hotel. We're going to go on the shining tour. I th- I'm just going to buy into it. Fuck. We've screw it. <laughs> to be on the show. Oh, uh, no, that's good. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just going to buy into it. You know, I don't believe in ghosts, but when they say, uh, so and so died in this room, I'm like, oh, oh, did they die? Maybe. Oh, you know, oh, what was that noise? I, I, I didn't, you know, and when I bought into it, the, the tour was a lot more fun because I got to, you know, I got to kind of get in into that mode. Uh, later on, Andrew had this thing that supposedly like uh, gets uh, like radio signals to uh, to get what uh, ghosts are staying in a room. I don't believe in any of that, but we just got on with the Shining tour, and um, you know, I'm counting the heads. Oh yeah, oh what, oh what's the ghost saying? And I so start buying into it. Same kind of thing with Skinnering. I'm going to turn the lights off. I'm going to put the headphones on, and I'm going to lean forward. I'm really going to get into this, and it paid off. The only knock i would give against it was maybe a bit too long because towards the end it's kind of like okay okay we can I, I i got it but uh maybe knock 10 20 minutes off of it other than that this is uh, really effective but you got to be in for it okay were you in for it bruce Berkey, on skin and Marink? i was but I, I absolutely agree with what eric is saying and that is this is a very very particular flavor of movie i mean just like i was all mad at life upside down. If we tell people like, hey, go watch this. It's the scariest movie we've seen in a year. Like we will have like 90% of the people really mad at us. This is not Smile or one of those really accessible horror movies. This is much like experimental. Maya Darren and Lynch extended out 
like you said, like a tone poem. I think if you are going to latch into this, once again, I, I absolutely agree. Headphones, you can watch it at home soon. It'll be on Shutter. If you don't want to go to the theater, that's kind of a big commitment for people to go into this experimental weird movie that is probably going to not work for a lot of people. Uh, you know, watch it with headphones, give it a try on in your TV when you can. The other thing I would say is people that might be tuned into this are people who like things like the creepy pastas, like all those creepy pastas. They like the stuff like liminal spaces, if you're aware of this, like the back rooms, like all that kind of stuff that's happening that people really enjoy where it's not, if you talk about it, not anything is really happening but it's tapping into this kind of nightmare logic, this just unsettling white noise and uh, just like he said, you know, background sounds. Another thing to bring up, an easy way for people to see if they would access this or not is this director, which I don't know if we mentioned, Kyle Edward Ball is the director. He has a YouTube channel called, I believe, Bite Size Nightmares. And he's basically for years and years and years has been doing this thing where he interviews lots and lots and lots of people about what scares them in their nightmares. And he tries to make visual representations of that. And he's got all these little ones on there. He's got a longer one called Heck, which is very similar to this. And this is essentially tapping into that in a longer form. So if you like that channel, you're going to enjoy like that channel. Just think of this going to be a longer, a little more, a slightly more polished version of this. And I will say whether you hate this or love it, and a lot of people will hate it, or at least just be bored stiff. The one really positive thing I would say about this, this is a movie that was made for $15,000. You know, this My is goodness. This is less than a used car for most people. So a $15,000 movie has made over a million dollars in the theater as of we, as the time we speak of this. So that alone is some promise that someone can do this. And not to mention, this got leaked illegally after it was shown at a film festival, Fantasia or one of those. And it got buzz out of that and then still got a theater release and still is making that much money. So that's just, if nothing else, it's good to see that that can happen still in the cinematic landscape. So that alone, I think, is is worth kudos, even if you hate this. Okay, that think is... of what that $15,000 went to. They didn't have that many Legos in the movie, did they? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so for Skinamarink, Eric Holmes, your rating. Oh, God. When, I, I mean, I don't know. You don't know? Yeah, this is okay, impossible. Why don't you think? Why don't you the, think the, this probably has to be three star banger? But I don't know, like, because yep. like if you're in for it, you're gonna love it. If you're not, you're gonna hate it. So I guess that's kind of that's kind of what it's got to be. Okay, three star banger. What about you, Bruce? Well, I had written four to five, but that I was like, no way, I can't do that. People are gonna think this is something that it is not. So I'm exactly with Eric, three star banger, because just like we did back when he was talking about uh, landlocked. If you are into this wavelength you're into this, but a lot of people aren't going to be. So three-star banger. Okay. Wow. Three-star banger for Skin and Marink. As of this recording, it is currently in theaters. Bruce and Eric were mentioning Shudder. It comes out, streams exclusively on Shudder starting February 2nd. So you can tell us, again, use your headphones. Eventually, I'll eventually, hopefully, get to Skin and Marink and check it out. Am I going to like it, guys? Or what am I going to think about this movie? I have I no don't idea. Think so. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> you don't think so? You, have, uh, you don't know? Oh, okay. Well, all right. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I, uh, what, what did you think of Inland Empire? Loved it. Saw that. Yeah, loved that you might, movie. You might like Skin and Marine, then. All right. Because it's got, it's got kind of similar similar uh, energy to it, especially at that that bunny thing at the beginning. All right. Good, good. That is Skin and Marine. Exciting. I'm looking at the notes right now for You People, movie that hits Netflix on January 27th. All three of us received an early link or actually early access to this film, which stars Jonah Hill, Eddie Murphy, Julie Louis Dreyfus, and Lauren London. Jonah Hill plays this, uh, what is he? He's working in finance in Century City, California, but his heart and soul is he wants to be a podcaster. He wants to do, do a podcast. Well, we, you and I, we all know about what it's like to be a podcaster, but he wants to be, he has a best friend and she's, uh, he, he's been friends with her for quite a while and they're doing a podcast about for the culture, specifically for the culture. They're going to talk about black, white culture, any kind of culture, sneaker culture. Just that's what his heart and soul is. He doesn't just want to make money in Century City. He wants to launch. He wants his podcast to really pop off. And that character's name is Ezra Cohen, played by Jonah Hill. He is of a Jewish family. So you get a Jewish slice of life in West Los Angeles in you people. But then you also get what what it's like to be African-American. You have Eddie Murphy and his wife, played by Nia Long. They have a daughter, and that daughter is Amira Mohammed, played by Lauren London. And Amira, she's uh, what I think a 
She's in design. She's in the design world. She's also successful. She's very opinionated and very motivated, basically a very um, beautiful, mature woman. And via some kind of rideshare accident, <laughs> the lives of Ezra and Amira are actually slammed together. And what starts off as a meat dislike turns into a meat cute, and they eventually evolve and become a real couple. The premise, it's not a spoiler because the premise of you people is how they decide to to get married. They, they're engaged and they have to figure out how they are going to get their, their parents, their, both sides of the family, to work together as a unit so the marriage engagement and the marriage can go off sans a hitch. Obviously, this is a romantic comedy with Eddie Murphy and Julie Louis Dreyfus. You know, it's not, you know, the, this kind of relationship will not go without a hitch. There's a lot of comedic moments in this movie. A lot of it is based on race and misunderstandings, mis- miscommunication, overall ignorance on both sides, lack of understanding and empathy. That is part of the themes behind this movie, directed, I believe, by Kenya Barris. And mm-hmm. interesting, interesting film. Oh, also, we also forgot to mention David Duchovny is the father of Jonah Hill's character. That is it. I'm going to just give my quick take on this. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the movie. It's not a fascinating, amazing movie. It just goes by. It's a three and a half out of five star experience for me. I laughed enough. I enjoyed the chemistry between Lauren London and Jonah Hill, even though there's a lot of talk about race and relations. It's handled in a very comedic fashion, but it's relatively, even though they're, these are really hot topics, it comes off as a very, in, I mean this in the best way, it's an innocuous enough piece of entertainment. I just felt it was fine. So three and a half out of five. Bruce, your take on you people, was it worth the watch for you? It was. I, I'm kind of in the same ballpark as you with this one. It's it's kind of safe considering the the kind of subject matter that it has, but it's also a pleasant watch. This seems to me, and I hate to say this to Netflix, sorry, Netflix, this seems to me like a, almost like a TV movie, like, or a sitcom uh, turned into a movie length where you can enjoy it on that level and you have a fun time with it. And you have a fun time with the characters and everyone's pretty likable. And there are definitely some laughs to be had there, but it's not going to go, it's not going to be very daring anyway. It's not going to amaze you or make you cry or, you know, make you get too emotional or anything. It's going to just be a, a good fun watch. This is like, if you want to talk about race relations, but you want your mom to watch it with you, you could watch this movie. It's one of those kind of movies. <laughs> no one's going to get too offended, but they're going to feel like they got hurt a little bit. So it's pretty good. Now, that being said, so there's a whole point in the movie where basically Amira is going to be spending time with Julia Louise Dreyfus, and there's a time when Jonah Hill's character is going to be taking some time with Eddie Murphy. The problem is the Eddie Murphy Jonah Hill scenes are so head and shoulders above everything else that this movie should have been that. Because when they're together, this movie actually kind of sings, and it's really funny. Uh, not really, really funny, but it's pretty darn funny. And it's got some some really great moments in it. And I feel like, I know you don't want to tell them what the movie should be, right? But if this movie had kind of just been that, like it had been those two guys almost the whole time, I think this movie could have been something really special. I agree with you. There's a couple moments when they- Barbershop. There's a barbershop moment. There is a confrontation moment that felt real. And very good. That said, Julia Louis Dreyfus, her character is so yeah. uncomfortable. But yes, I see what you're saying. I, Eric, sorry. Oh, you see, you mentioned Barbershop. I think the director directed a Barbershop movie. Oh, Barbershop really? Barbershop Next Cut. There you oh. go. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know that. Wow. Interesting. Very interesting. But yeah. Yeah. But there's, I don't know. there's a, you know what I mean? There's that whole sequence. It's almost like a training day light, <laughs> you know, yeah. like a sequence about 20 minutes long. And that was so fun that I think that. That would have been great. Anderson Cowan always likes to say the movie goes down smooth. It and does. I, I don't mind. It, it's basically like having a smoothie when you wanted actually a smoothie with a shot of whiskey in it, maybe, possibly, that would have, or something, something. But I, I don't know. It's one of those movies that it's fun enough to watch, but you will be, when it's finished, there will be other things to watch on Netflix. Yes. Take it as a, <laughs> take it as a compliment. Or as an insult. I don't know. It depends on where you stand on you people. But for me, three and a half stars. Bruce Perky, your rating. I think I'll go three stars, but I'm kind of right between three and three and a half. Once again, I would say, this is how I would describe it. You're at home. 
and you're happening, oh, you're visiting your parents and they're like, what are we going to watch? It's like, this is, this might be pretty good. <laughs> watch it with your mom or your dad and they're going to be happy and you'll be okay too. It's kind of the reverse. You know, you have to watch shows with your kids that you can actually enjoy. It's kind of the reverse of that. You can watch a show with your parents that you can actually enjoy. Well, what about just a movie with Eddie Murphy's character and his brother played by Mike Epps? Just a movie with them just bantering yes. in a car. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. That I would watch too. I would watch too. And them bantering in a car talking about Las Vegas and cocaine and and yes. uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, some some interesting stuff. There's look, it's intended to be sort of this middle of the road, safe, fun, romantic comedy with a little bit of spice to it. So that is you people. Three stars for Bruce. Three and a half for me. We're doing a quick rewind with Bruce Perky regarding kids versus yes. Eric, can't take my foot out. Of my I gotta stop doing this. Kenny Barris did not direct Barbershop Two. He wrote Barbershop Two. Okay, second time I've done that. So. No worries. No, no, no worries. So no. racist, Eric. So racist. <laughs> no worries. Barbershop two penned by Ken Kenya Barris. Now let's go to our recommends. We have Kids versus Aliens. This is a movie that I believe Eric Holmes you gave three and a half out of five, maybe a year uh, last week, or three star banger. Two Kids versus Aliens. You really enjoyed it. Seventy five minute film. Rewind. Bruce Perky on Kids versus Aliens. Worth watching yes. or not? Yes, I really enjoyed this too. Once again. The caveat would be low budget, can do sort of attitude. If you like stuff like PG Psycho Gorman, Slashback, which we talked about recently, uh, those kind of movies where it's kind of rough around the edges, but it has its heart in the right place. It has a lot of, it's got some great kid characters. It's probably the most filthy mouth children I've seen in a movie in a long, long time, but it's still all in good fun. A really, really great villain. And a lot of these movies lately, they don't tap into that terrible 80s guy villain like like you get in something like Karate Kid. This movie has one of those in Billy. And Billy is just horrible. And they let him be really horrible, surprisingly. Like there's actual stakes in this movie. But it's also fun and silly. And there's a whole, probably the whole first half is the older sister who used to hang out with the little kids and have fun now is trying to be cool and into the cool crowd. And the cool crowd takes over the house giant party. Kids have to take revenge because they don't want this their house being taken over by these jerk older kids. And then, of course, there's an alien invasion. And then that is a whole other aspect of this movie. Lots and lots of fun. I I, I really enjoyed this. I think this is, this is a really good movie. I really thought this was quite good. Your rating on kids versus aliens? I was going to go three-star banger. I think I'm going to go four stars. I, I had a great time with this. I want to see more. I mean, we might get more. I don't know. But mm. if we can, um, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't feel bad about that. Okay, so that is four stars from Bruce Perky for Kids vs. Aliens. And I believe, again, Eric, Eric Holmes gave it a three-star banger a week ago. Now, for the big recommendation of the week, we have a movie, Best International Feature Film Oscar nominee, Argentina 1985. I like doing things like not watching movies, so I did not watch this movie. Bruce and Eric did. Eric, this is a courtroom drama. Sounds like it's right up your alley. What is this movie about? about? Let you and Bruce take this review away. Okay, let me see if I can get this correct. So this is based on uh, a real-life guy, Julio Stracera, and this was Argentina just got out of a dictatorship, and essentially they're putting former leaders on trial for, what would you call it, like war crimes, Bruce, or... Yeah, not, not, to, not really war crimes because there wasn't a war, but they're um, the the disappeared the, was very famous. The dis, the disappeared of Argentina, they would just come in, take people away, and they'd never be found again. Like yeah, thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And so this is uh, pretty fresh off of the dictatorship. So a lot of people are kind of like he's kind of uh, put in a situation where it's not really safe for him to be being the lawyer in that that particular situation and it's a nice piece of history this has a lot of well okay first of all if you have issues with subtitles the subtitles go ridiculous in this especially like uh certain scenes where like the they're talking and then there's the the newspaper stuff in the background there was a couple of parts i had to, i had to kind of rewind a bit go back and read and then eventually whenever i got to those parts i just switched to english overdubs Got through that part and then switched back. So if you have issues with subtitles, that's going to be a problem. But beyond that, I thought the writing was kind of up there with Aaron Sorkin. And the, it, it felt almost like Sidney Lumet directing an Aaron Sorkin script. It, it had a really kind of similar flavor to that. As far as like courtroom drama stuff goes, I think it could have uh, leaned a little more little more drama to than my liking. Because I, I like the more 
you know, nuts and bolts kind of stuff with that. That said, the uh, Ricardo Darren is a uh, Julio Stracera. He's great in this. I don't know why I'm singling him out. Everyone's great in this. Yeah, this is good. If you like courtroom dramas, especially like Aaron Sorkin movies or even Sidney Lament movies, I, I would beeline right to this one. Currently, the movie has Argentina 1985 tomato meter by the critics 98%, audience score 94%. I believe currently streaming on Prime Video. These are very big ratings, very high ratings, two hours and 20 minutes. Bruce Perky, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with everything that Eric said there. I think this, I'm not as big of a courtroom drama type person, but as a historical drama that strongly leans into the courtroom part of it, I think it's really effective. I think this is a very solid drama. It's not going to like be flashy. It doesn't go in way, it doesn't get super stylized or anything. This is very, very nuts and bolts, which I think is is, is why um, Eric would say something like, you know, Sidney Lumet, kind of describing these directors that they want to really just show you the story and let it tell you what happened and let you experience that. And this is kind of how this movie works. And once again, the acting, especially by Ricardo Darren, Darren is very subtle, but very, very, very good. So I, I'm not I'm not mad that that got nominated at all. And I think the added bonus to this is probably the younger you are, the less you know about this historical event at all. So I think there's some added value there for people who don't know anything about it to be like, oh, wow, this is kind of interesting. There's a kind of a final closing argument, which is a big chunk of the last, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes, kind of getting that set up and how they write it and with how they present it. And it's really interesting to watch how it's presented, the actual closing argument. And you can go back and you can watch film of that actual closing argument. And you can compare the two and, and see how actually really accurate this this presentation is of that actual event historically. I think it's really solid. I think, once again, if you like courtroom dramas, you like historical dramas, this is a very, very solid one. So guys, 140 minutes, a little bit too too long or no? I mean, if for some people it might be, right? If you're not into this kind of I would say this, like I said, again, like this kind of nuts and bolts, informational drama, historical drama, it might already be kind of dry for you, then you probably wouldn't be into it at all anyway. But if you're kind of into that, I think that the time is warranted in this movie. It's kind of a big, pretty epic thing that they're doing. I, I think with something like Skin of Marink, that's um, all tone, starts to get you in a certain mind frame, but there's, you know, there's not much information being thrown at you. In fact, there's very little of it. Uh, with this... There's a ton of information, so you kind of need that time to, because otherwise it's just going to be them reading off of Wikipedia as fast as they can. You know, you need some, you need some time to breathe here and there. I think movies like this or like Trial of the Chicago Seven, you know, so, stuff like that, you need the time because there's so much, there's so much to impart to the audience that it, it doesn't bug me. I, and in fact, for courtroom dramas, they kind of need to go on a bit long. Unless it's saying no more than can, you know, chop off three hours. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good. Okay, so what are your ratings for Argentina 1985? Shoot, I'll, I'll let you go first, Bruce. I'm kind of... I think I'm going to go four stars. I think it's a good four-star movie. I don't think it quite gets to those high echelons for me, but I, I did not have anything but a good time watching this movie. Yeah, I'd probably go about the same. I, I was between three and a half and four stars, but I'll go four stars. I think the thing that took me out of it the most was the the subtitles, just because it's so, oh my God, it, they, they talk so fast. <laughs> and I, I agree with you. I wouldn't suggest, I would not usually ever suggest to not listening to the, or not watching subtitles, but I think people could. I think people could put the dubbing on and, and have a really good experience with this movie. Yeah, it, it, it's not the it's not the preferred my usual preferred method, but in this case, it, it'd be like if I I didn't understand English and I was watching the Aaron Sorkin movie. I'm like, I'm not doing this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting on this. I'm putting on the Spanish overdubs and turn the subtitles off because I can't keep up. That is very very cool. Okay, so that is that is very cool. Four stars for Argentina 1985. Before we go, we have to pay our respects, our love to Peter Beta, who's dropping the beat for this. Musical interlude, any any kind of transition, any kind of cheeky transition, you can, you can say Bruce Berkey regarding Pete as he drops oh, that thought, beat. I thought Eric was designated. Uh, I think we have decided that we're always going to be saying, yo, Pete, rock that beat. Remove your hand from the box and you die. It's in the box. Pain. All right, we're back. Peter Beta from Middle Class Film Class. Thank you so much for that drop. Speaking of drops, we have a movie called The Drop. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's based on a screenplay 
by Dennis Lehane. By the way, I've hashtag, uh, you know, what is it? Spree, follow for, follow, hashtag, follow for. This is one of these things that I'm just going to talk about. I interviewed Dennis Lehane years ago for Mystic River when the when the book was coming out and nicest guy in the world. I, I'm sure he's still nice and really, really loved interviewing him way back when, when I used to interview authors. Now, that said, The Drop, what did you think, Bruce? I, I love this movie. Tell, tell the listeners what this thing's about. Oh boy, this is a, well, first of all, I really like this movie as well. So first of all, you've got, I guess we should say some of the people that are in this because this is a pretty great cast. I'm not even going to list everybody, but let's just start with Numi Rapace, Rapace, however we say her name, Rapace, yes. <laughs> <laughs> James Gandolfini. And I didn't look uh, how close this is, but it has to be one of his later roles. Tom Hardy, of course, the main character in this. What did I write down his name? Bob. Bob. <laughs> Very exciting name. Yeah. Uh, Tom or Bob, you know. Tom Hardy and Dowd is a small role in this. Matthias Schonert. Schonerts, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Uh, anyway, a bunch of, so many people in this movie. Basic idea. Right at the beginning, you find out about there's bars around the area that are called drop bars, basically where mobsters of one type or another, I think in this case are Chechenian, they'll pick a bar on a particular night and that's where all the drop money goes, all the payoffs go. They come by later, they pick up that money and they take it with them. Very, very quickly, the bar that is run by Gandolfini and has Bob the Tom Hardy, this character Bob, working there, that bar gets robbed. And immediately, I think it's like $5,000, not even that much money, relatively, but right out of the gate, they're kind of behind the eight ball because the mob isn't going to say, oh, I'm sorry, you got robbed. You don't have $5,000. They're going to be like, when are you going to get us our $5,000? Because that's our money and you had it and now we don't have it. So where is it at? And very quickly, they show that they're not going to be playing around at all. The other sub plot of this is the Bob character is, he's kind of, how do you describe him? He's kind of a sad sack. He's, he's kind of, um, yeah. Kind of head down and meek kind of person. Yeah. Kind of guy that would walk around. Yeah. Hey, hey, I just, I just found this dog, you know, I I like the dog. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which he does. He finds a dog in a garbage can where Nui Rapace is living. And uh, he's like, "Uh, there's a dog here. And they, they kind of set up a tentative friendship. But will it turn into romance? You're not sure. But this tentative relationship around this dog that they find, and he has to kind of nurse back to health. But of course, the driving force of this movie is money. There's a a constant tension of this kind of underworld always creeping into his life through one place or another and kind of how he's going to deal with this. And you kind of get the feeling that he's, he's one of those guys, when you see him, you're like, he's just like, just don't push me. Don't, don't, don't mess with me. Leave me alone. I just want to make my way through life. Like, like Eric can say much better, but you also feel like if he's pushed into a corner, you know, he's, he doesn't look like he's the weakest guy in the world. He looks pretty tough. He's Tom Hardy. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> that's kind of all you need to know. This is a character piece, but it's also a crime piece. And if you like those really gritty, really focused kind of crime pieces, I think you're going to enjoy this. Well, this is one of these things where we're, we're talking about specified films. Skinner Marine Inc., Life Upside Down. I believe The Drop is a very specified film, meaning running at 106 minutes, it is a movie that if you like this type of noir crime drama very personal kind of situation. It might be really right up your alley, but then I can see how people will say, this is just too small and claustrophobic a film, too little of a movie. But this movie just really, I rocked my world when it came out in 2014. My big regret is I still have not purchased it on Blu-ray. I I definitely want to purchase the drop on Blu-ray. Eric Holmes, your thoughts on the drop? Yeah, this one's uh, this one's really good. It's my brother Steve really likes this one. And so we kind of pull it out every once in a while, just like a dog out of a trash can. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this is probably, I, I think this might be one of the first one. I don't know, but I think this might have been one of the first like Tom Hardy movies I saw where I really realized who Tom Hardy was. Yeah, it's good stuff. It, it's it's regular repeat and James Gandolfini's last movie. So there's that too. There's that this too. It's a, a pretty good one to go out on. And I mean, we all got to go sometimes. So, but yeah. 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 Very interesting movie. A lot of, like Bruce was saying, there's just a lot of very memorable characters. There's an actor played uh, James Freshville or Freshville. He was from Animal Kingdom. He has a very pivotal, pretty interesting role in this movie as well. I can't really explain what role he has in the drop, but he's one of the really interesting ensemble characters. Freshville, he's, what's interesting, he's currently on the latest season of Peaky Blinders and he is a complete badass in the latest season of Peaky Blinders. But this is overall just a great, great film. Your rating, Bruce 
on the drop. I think I'm going to give it four stars. I think with rewatches, it might go a little higher because I feel like this is one of those movies where once you know the plot, you don't care about it anymore. And you just start enjoying those character interactions over and over again. But right now, I'd say four stars for me. What about you, Eric? I don't like this nearly as much as my brother does, but I still like it a lot. But just for my brother, I'm giving it five stars. Just for your <laughs> brother. Just for your brother. <laughs> he would kick my butt otherwise. Just for your brother. Yeah, this this for me. I, I, for, for me, I'll probably do four and a half, but I'll, I'll bump it up half star for him. Yeah, this for this for me, the drop is a five-star banger. It's always been and always will be. Just love this. I, I've, I think this is out of all the movies. I think this is one of the movies I've seen the most. And I don't watch movies a lot. It's a second time. So I've seen this about three times. I This is just perfectly kind, my, kind of my film. So that's it. We're done. I don't know anything else. Uh, we we am I, Oh, what's in the box? <laughs> yeah, what is in the box? What's in the bleeping box, Bruce? <laughs> hey, 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 Bruce, what do you got in the box there? So, like maybe a little dog or something? Maybe I'll take a <laughs> Dog in the garbage? All right. Aha! This is suggested by Angie Clark. We haven't had one suggested by her in a while. Uh, a while back, she suggest, suggested this. I can't speak anymore. I don't know what's no, going no, on here. Okay. A 2020 movie called The Man in the Hat. The Man in the Hat. Oh, that sounds interesting. Okay. Thank you, Angie Clark. We love you. The Man in the Hat. That's something. Hopefully, well, it's, if it's Angie, I'm going to have to watch it. So we will be covering that next week with a whole bunch of other movies next week. Bruce, er, er, do you remember what we're covering next week? I'm trying to think. What are we covering next week? Uh, Alchemy of the Spirits. Alchemy of the Spirits. Uh, uh, Baby Ruby. Uh, Baby Ruby. Uh, I believe Bruce might rewind Athena, or we'll save that for when Anderson gets back. Or I don't know is the short answer. You don't uh, the know Locksmith? The Locksmith, which Eric has oh, already seen, uh, which, we're gonna, which we can't say anything right now because I think it might, who knows, it might be under embargo. We might talk about The Last of Us, which is ongoing. Oh, yeah. The Last of Us is ongoing. So a lot of stuff to, th- to think about. And also, Eric's wonderful dog will be back for a- extra ambiance in the in the background. Oh, that's not, that's, that's my right. dog. That's, that's my dog, dog making all that noise. Oh, Bruce. Uh, Bruce's dog. <laughs> my dog's I, the see, size of a she's rat. talking to you. <laughs> I like that. I, I actually like the ambiance. I love dogs. I'm good with it. But speaking of Bruce, final hey, thoughts, it Bruce. Just in a, it was in a garbage can. I, had to, <laughs> I can't do it. It's all you, Eric. <laughs> hey, 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 Bruce. I want to go get the dog out of the garbage can. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe, yeah. maybe maybe I take the maybe Noomi and I take the dog back to my place, and you know we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens next week here on Cinematics. Take care and thanks again, guys, for listening. <laughs>